the Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others, is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke, as usual. And today we have a special guest, a special treat. Uh, Our bishop, uh, Todd Hunter, is back from sabbatical and joins us today on the podcast. So welcome back to the podcast, Bishop Todd. Man, it's nice to be back. I can't even remember the last time we did this. It's got to be six months because I was gone for five months. So you, Yeah, it probably was. You were gone for five months on sabbatical, which we're going to talk about today. And then um, even before that, we, um, you know, not you, you weren't on every episode. Uh, yeah, we were podcast, doing some other things few, there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it's yeah, good to be sure. back. Nice to see your face. Yeah, you as well. You as well, Bishop. Uh, you, look, you look rested. You look good. So. I better, boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of pressure to look out. rested after five yeah, months of medical. Yeah, you better. You better rest. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so I feel like um, I feel like our. I want to tack, chat with you today about um, about your sabbatical and a little bit of maybe you know kind of helping us see what's next, you know, for the diocese and some yeah. of what you encountered there. Um, but this feels a little bit like. Um, coming back to school, you know, in grade school, and everybody does a little report on what you did over your summer oh, vacation. that's right. It's well, you know what? Like what, the, what? I'm asking you. The day before, sorry, the day before we, uh, I was coming back to sabbatical or the week, <clears throat> just so happened August 1st was on a Monday. And I think that weekend, Debbie and I were just reminiscing about how at the beginning, it was like, what are we going to do for five months with mm-hmm. like literally nothing to do? <laughs> and then mm-hmm. when it was over, it was like, where did those five months go? And you know the way I felt? <laughs> Was What's like a, it was the first day back to school. First day back but to not, school. Not, I wasn't thinking like elementary. I was thinking like high school or college. But that's yeah. exactly what it felt like. Yeah, like, what am I going to wear? School. I got to put work clothes back on. And <laughs> right, right. I can't just wear. <laughs> what are all the cool kids wearing this year? And yeah, do yeah, I have the right backpack? Kicks. Yeah. Yes. Well. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this is the question that I'm wondering, um, and I think our listeners probably are wondering as well. Um, I know you sent an email out about this, but just give us an overview of how you spent your time on sabbatical. Yeah. Well, um, somehow I got alerted before I went on sabbatical in the few weeks before I went that a good sabbatical really should have some structure to it. There's kind of a Mm -hmm. magic to sabbatical where Mm -hmm. you have enough structure or enough thoughtfulness about what the sabbatical will be about and do, but not so much that it feels like you're doing something else, like you're now you're doing sabbatical instead of doing work. Yeah. And it just so happens that um, Ruth Haley Barton has a, a book out just in the last week or two on Sabbath and sabbatical, and she had sent it to me to endorse. So uh, it's got four chapters in it on Sabbath. And so, of course, oh, I devoured nice. those uh, yeah. knowing I was going on, I'm sorry, on sabbatical. Yeah. So I, I devoured those chapters. And um, really what I learned through all that is to just do whatever is to you, an individual, unique person, replenishing, rejuvenating, renewing, mm-hmm. And for everybody, that's different. So, mm-hmm. like, for instance, my, I mean, this goes all the way back to when Eugene Peterson just used to shake his head at me, you know, like, oh, you're my worst student ever, because <laughs> I just never read any fiction. Okay. Yeah. And Eugene used to tell me, you must start reading fiction. And so he, of course, got me mm-hmm. uh, in touch with some fiction, and you must read poetry. Yeah. So I read more fiction than I've ever read in my life. Oh, that's and, great. um, some days if I just felt like, well, I got my turntable going and got my vinyl 
collection okay. refreshed. And nice. so some days and afternoons, I would just draw and listen to vinyl. I mm -hmm. literally did whatever felt in the moment felt like it would be replenishing and, mm -hmm. and rejuvenating. And yeah. so it was fantastic. I mean, it's an unspeakably yeah. great gift. Um, it reminded me that I think this is true of of all of all for all of us. I assume I mean, maybe there's somebody who's really good at it, but I think for most of us, we have areas of our spirituality that we feel like posers, or at least mm. things are aspirational and not not you yeah. know fully realized. And I certainly I say to my own shame, had never taken a sabbatical. I don't think I'd ever taken more than two weeks off at a time for 47 mm. years. Yeah. Now I was always really good about like a monthly, you know, retreat day or that sort of stuff, but not not a really focused sabbatical. Mm. And it was amazing. Really yeah. great. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. What a gift uh, to be able to do that. Um, I was just reflecting that I think the reason I started reading fiction and poetry was Eugene Peterson as well. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Not a conversation, but just yeah. I think it was one He's, of his books. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He was an read. evangelist for... yeah. Yeah, getting both a, sides of our brains working. Oh, it's been it's been huge for me. So, well, and you know where that came from? From him was he did not ever want theology or spirituality to be abstract. Like it had yep. to be lived yep. and it had to be relational. Yep. Or for Eugene, it wasn't, you know, what it could be. Yeah, totally. Um, what's uh, something that you missed that you're glad that you were glad to get back to? on August 1st yeah. when you came back. So I'm a highly time. relational person, you know, and anybody listening who's like me knows that that's essentially good. You know, sure. I mean, it's kind of hard to be a pastor if you don't like people. <laughs> um, so I'm highly relational. And I think, you know, most people would probably say I have pretty high emotional intelligence and all that. But uh, so I miss that. Yeah. But, you know, there's a downside to that in, and it's part of what makes us all tired, is that even if you love people, sincerely and would do anything for them, there's still a draw on your energy to execute on that. And so hmm. I okay. think I just have discovered how much it was a both and that I really did miss my interactions with people. Mm -hmm. um, but also coming to a, a different awareness that um, we all pay a price as we let ourselves be known, as we put ourselves out there, as mm. we care for people, as much yeah. as we love it. Yeah. Um, it's something that does require rest, even if you love it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the sabbatical was sort of taking this longer rest um, from some of those pastoral kind of relational yeah. interactions. It, it just sort of highlighted for you the what it actually does to you to be involved yeah. in these kinds of things day after day. Yes. Greater awareness. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the flip side, what's one thing that you did not miss about your daily you know, work like, as a bishop. You know what I realized quickly? Like I would have guessed, I would have guessed it would have been like crisis or, uh -huh. you know, yeah. that sort of stuff. But you know what I quickly realized the first two or three days back was I did not miss the grind of email. Emails. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just the, and you know, it, this is a pretty quiet month yeah. where yeah. Ben and I are yeah. recording here on August uh, 11th. And so uh -huh. August is still pretty quiet. Yeah. But even so, just that relentless grind of people expect to hear back from you. And so yes. Yes. text, email, but mostly it hit me as, as email. Yeah, man. As soon as uh -huh. I started having back into that grind, I just thought, oh, I did not miss this. <laughs> Um, well, another question about the sabbatical. What, what did you find most surprising about it? Um, that's a good question. So I had a, 
uh, I guess I'll get into it by saying I had two main goals. One was like holistic healing, holistic refreshment. So literally body, soul, spirit. Like I, I, like I worked on sleeping. Well, what is that? Mm. It just means I, you know, I had, I could go to bed early and I could sleep as long as mm-hmm. I wanted. I could nap during the day. So re- literally anything. I worked out every day. I, mm-hmm. you know, so I worked on my physical body and what I was eating and working out every day. And um, so I, I really gave myself to this kind of holistic process. And then the other thing I gave myself to was um, discernment. Um, Mm. And so I, you know, I spent a few sessions with a therapist. I had a, uh, I had a sabbatical accountability team who once a month met with me to, you know, ask me hard questions. I met with my spiritual director every month as I usually do. Um, I think what I, uh, you asked what I most learned about myself. Well, what what did you find most surprising? Oh, I mean, most you can surprising. Share that as well, yes. yes, the most surprising thing, and again, it's not like I've never had this thought. Maybe I will say the most surprising thing was the experience of how we are whole beings. Hmm. Um, and that as I began to attend to the various aspects, the various particularities of my whole being, I was just reminded again that yeah, this kind of stuff matters. Like it's easy to, you know, pops up on your newsfeed. So you read a, a an article on the importance of sleep or something, or, you know, mm-hmm. adults need to get at least seven hours of sleep, you know, et cetera. Um, so it's, it's not like we don't know these things, but experiencing the intrinsic goodness mm-hmm. of, a, of a life that's uh, in its whole becoming at rest and peace. Um. And then understanding how some of those particularities, when they get out of balance, can affect other things. Mm. So if I'm not, so if somebody's not sleeping, uh, they might find themselves the next day inadvertently impatient. Mm-hmm. And then that impatience in a staff meeting or a counseling appointment or something, then leaks out into the congregation, which then can trigger defensiveness. And and when mm. you when you pull on that string, you realize that this goes all the way back to just somebody who's so anxious or, or fearful or just got something going on in their brain chemistry, you know, and right. isn't sleeping well. Yeah. So I, I think I started noticing, well, let me put it this way, things that I had known cognitively, I started experiencing about how these things actually really hmm. do work together in one whole life. Yeah, yeah. That's well said. What, um, how, how did it affect you, would you say, you know, like on a personal level, your your spirituality, your life with God, your, your marriage, you know, your kind yeah. of relationship to yourself, what, what would you say the impact has been for you personally? I think, again, the, uh, this was something I knew already or had thought a great deal about, but the luxurious experience of just being able to pay attention without mm. distraction mm. to myself or God or mm. what I'm reading to art, to music. Yeah. Um, I came to realize that we all might that we all might need this, but I came to realize that I really need regulating idea uh, regulating activities in my life. Mm. And 
some of this comes out of brain theory, so it's it's beyond it's beyond uh, the, what we're doing on this podcast. But essentially, it just means that we have preconscious and subconscious aspects of our brain that we act out of before our conscious mind can stop us. Right. And and so you know we might talk about it as I I feel this underlying anxiety, I feel this underlying fear or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and regulating activities like breath prayers or for me uh, drawing. I would be so. Uh, it, I would. I would have fun if I could show you my drawings. We could have fun laughing together. On the other hand, <laughs> I would like I'd feel so stupid diocese. if yeah. anybody could ever see my quote artwork <laughs> from sabbatical. We would all just get the biggest chuckle out of it. It might yeah. be worth it for comedy someday, but um, yeah. not for make art. A coloring sake. book. Release a coloring book for the diocese. Yeah, and yeah. I I realized how much I love music. You know, living in Nashville, mm. we have amazing live music. I mean, not just big country stars, but, yeah. you know, we have an amazing symphony and um, all just, we have great music every night. This is not Music City for no reason. I'm telling you, this is not a commercial for Nashville. Oh, yeah, yeah. Most people know I'm not a Nashvillian. I'm a Southern Californian. But Hollywood, you know, is hidden in studios. Yeah. This is you Music City. That's for real. Yeah. I mean, there is great music all over this city any, yeah. on any given night. And I like, for instance, I just came to realize how much I admire musicianship hmm. of any kind. Hmm. Yeah. It can be a jazz saxophone. Uh, Debbie and I saw, um, oh, just when I, Vince Gill uh, a few days hmm. ago. And, you know, he's 60 and that boy can play. <laughs> yeah, he's a good and just player. how they embody what I think what I've come to appreciate about musicians and what has sort of a regulating effect in my mind is how a great singer or a great guitar player, you know, like a Vince Gill or, you know, going to a jazz club and hearing a world-class saxophonist, like they have something real in them that oozes out of them in a way that seems so natural. I'm just sort of blown away that how can the human fingers do that on a fretboard? (laughs) Or how do people sing these incredible notes and... Mm -hmm you know, blah, blah, blah. So I just realized I need that kind of stuff. I need regulating activities. And it's different for everybody. Like swimming for me is a big deal. Yeah. Just the rhythm of swimming. It just, Mm -hmm. by regulate, I mean, it just seems to like set my soul Mm -hmm. or set my heart or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It allows me to step out of the daily anxieties and daily troubles that we all face. And um, it becomes a... uh, something again almost like breath prayers like when i swim i'll just pray um faithfulness fidelity service or i'll Mm -hmm. pray sometimes when i'm swimming when i get to that plus sign at the end of the pool i just think of it as a cross and i'll just (laughs) um think to myself about living a cruciform cristiform sort of life and that's just become really powerful kind of prayer for me Hmm. Um, I mean, after I swim, I come to work and we pray the hours as a staff and that's equally forming, you know, it's got its own rhythm and cadence to it, but those sorts of rhythmic things I found for me are really healing. And some of the work I did on sabbatical, frankly, had to do with trauma and finding Hmm. healing from trauma and and the trauma literature is all full of this kind of stuff of finding deep healing in our... It's all embedded in our bodies, right? Not just yeah. in our thoughts, in our brains. That, actually, I'm glad you said that. A friend of mine, I it's either Katie who works for us or um, 
our mutual friend just went out of my head, <laughs> um, Vanessa, who uh, works with me in the center. I think I had lunch with them during sabbatical, and, and Vanessa's a trauma-trained um, oh, yeah. spiritual director. Mm-hmm. And she was, t- she was, I think, the person who introduced me to that our bodies remember the trauma. Yeah. And so I, I did some reading on that, and, and that's where I started putting together why these experiences feel so, I don't know what's a better word than regulating, rejuvenating, regulating, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Walking can do it. Yeah, it's different for, sure. for everybody. There's no, yeah, yeah. you've got to find your true. own thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's super uh, helpful. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, how about any, like any new perspectives or learnings, um, when it comes to the church or your leadership of the diocese that you, that you'd want to share with us? Yeah. Um, I don't know when this podcast will air and I don't know when this, uh, exactly this, I I just finished writing a draft of, uh, issues facing clergy today, uh, for Mm -hmm. Andrea. So I don't know exactly when that's going out. Um, so this would be uh, similar to what I wrote, but um, I mean, I've known my whole life that I tend to be a perfectionist, um, mm. and that means that I tend to be a fixer, mm. and it just came sort of crashing down on me, not in a bad way, in a good way. It came cra- crashing down, doesn't seem like a good metaphor, but it came like washing over me <laughs> <laughs> There you go. on sabbatical mm-hmm. that um, I'm just not going to fix this world. And I'm not going to fix the church. Mm. And I'm not even going to make C4 so perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even fix myself. Yeah. Um, and I just came to realize that fixing is not actually a biblical category. Um, we're not called to um, look at something and fix it, because so often that desire to fix, it comes from inside of us. Mm. where a more covenantal idea of God calling Abraham and saying, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and quote, you're going to be my fixers. You know, you're going to be, uh, I think Tom Wright uses the illustration, of you're going to be like my cosmic first responders. Mm. Well, the initiation or the, uh, the uh, orienting factor in that is, is something that God's doing. And I think I just came to see that lots of my inclination towards fixing things are actually born out of um, kind of disordered desires in my heart. And I don't mean Mm. disordered like I want to smoke dope and watch pornography. I just mean something more like I need the world to be better because it makes me feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's actually underneath that is me feeling better. Now, again, it's subconscious. It's not conscious. I I would be appalled if that was ever a conscious thought. But it's sort of like I need things to be at peace so I can be at peace, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Like in its worst case scenario, like somebody with OCD, like it just the, the world has to be a certain way, or I don't feel at peace. Right. And uh, so that was, I think, maybe um, other than some issues of um, discernment, that was probably uh, the biggest spiritual takeaway is to I've uh, I've got to, and I would suggest for others find my way into caring about things like justice or raising up young leaders or whatever it is, uh, mm-hmm. ways of doing that that doesn't come out of this perfectionistic need to fix things, but yeah. finds the same activities need to find a different impetus. Because it's not so right. much that the activities are wrong, but the impetus um, mm. can lead us um, down you know, less good 
past. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's really helpful. Um, to hear, I'm reminded of a, uh, uh, I think it's a Leslie Newbigin quote, I'm trying to load up my uh, quotes here to see if I can find it. But, you know, he talks about for the disciple of Jesus, the, the, um, the motivation mm. for mission. Here, let me see if I can find this. The motivation for mission is simply, okay, I'm just going to paraphrase it because I can't find it uh, all the way here. But the motivation, um, oh, here it is. I found it. The deepest motive for mission is simply the desire to be with Jesus where he is mm. on the frontier yeah between the reign of God and the usurped dominion of the devil. And I, um, I found Wish I'd really, have written that sentence. Isn't that, isn't that good That's one? a good sentence. Gosh. And I, um, I just was, that, that for me encapsulates a lot, of, a lot of what you're talking about there in terms of the motivation for mission isn't to fix, fix the world. Mm-hmm. It's to be with Jesus. That's where Jesus yeah. is. And yeah. the disciple of Jesus wants, wants to be there with Jesus. Yeah. Um, so... Appreciate yeah, not in those, that. not in that good of words, but that's the pivot. Now that I think about it, that's the pivot mm-hmm. I make in this article is that I suggest instead of fixing, what if the mm-hmm. idea was being the cooperative friends of Jesus? So yeah. similar, uh, yeah. similar yeah. sort of idea. We get to participate in something. Yes, that we're, I, lo- I wish I hope not I used ultimately that word. responsible for. Yeah, I hope I used that word in the article because that's a great <laughs> word. Well, if it's because draft, participating. Assumes you or and you and I doing something together, or it assumes God yeah. or the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So anytime you're assuming something other than just our own neurotic needs to fix something, yeah. we've made a giant step in the right yeah. direction. Yeah, yeah. It's so I've found that that word very very helpful. Yeah. I know it. You know, it translates uh, certain Greek words that um, yeah. that I've found helpful. Well, what's um. You know, uh, I know you're going to be doing some meetings and talking a bit more, you know, about this uh, with various groups of people. But um, what's next for C4SO? You know, what what can we expect? Um, you know, as we walk into the future together, what? Um, yeah, what can, what can you share with us about? Yeah, kind of what you're sensing. Well, I think the remainder of August um, will again be pretty slow because um, you know. People are still on vacation and kids are getting sure. back to school and kids are going yep. to college and stuff. So mm-hmm. August will probably be a little slow. Uh, give me a time to just catch up with our leadership and all that. Sure. Um, and I have been doing that. I, I, I traveled this week, though, to um, see our clergy in Northern California and Southern California. Okay. Um, and then September, towards the end of September, we have a really important bishops meeting. Uh, it's called a conclave. Okay. And that just means it's not a normal, normally scheduled bishops meeting. It's a it's a meeting scheduled where bishops can just talk in private. So there's no there's no PR release at the end of it. Um, there's no recordings. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be an utterly confidential place where bishops can just talk about important things they need to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, without it um, being a part of a, a normal kind of business meeting like provincial yeah. council or provincial okay. assembly or sure. something. So that will be a really important meeting that I think will help uh, orient me um, towards the playing field uh, in the Anglican Church in North America. Um, How C4SO, I don't mean this in any sort of scary way, but like how C4SO fits into that. I'm just, I'm thinking more here structurally more than I am ideologically Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, So there'll be some really important revelations in that meeting, I hope. And then once I've gotten through that, 
Um, then I think we'll get together as uh, clergy and leaders. So probably in October, early okay. mid October, yeah. and begin to talk about um, you know kind of where to from here. I mean, I know one of the questions everybody asks me, you know, is are you coming back? Because <laughs> I guess there's this saying that I didn't know that, you know, to like I can't remember the saying now, but to like to to take a sabbatical means you're you're out, you're toast, especially one that long. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I'm I'm not going anywhere to my knowledge, um, okay. and my my sense of discernment through um, through sabbatical was that my as I said in that letter that whatever my future is is in continuity with my past, not not mm-hmm. some big dramatic yeah. uh, new turn in the road somehow. Yeah. So I want to I want to. Um, I want to um, work on developing, maturing, growing C4SO. And by growing, I don't mean numbers. It's not like I've got something on my wall that says, I want to go from 60 churches to 75. It's not mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's more maturing, developing um, yeah. who we are. There there will be some structural elements to that, meaning we, we just need assisting bishops, if nothing else. Yeah. So there are some structural personnel sorts of things. But and while I was gone, I just realized... Um, you know, C four so is thirteen years old now. Wow, Teenager. and that's um, that's a long time, and yeah. uh, the kind of time in which there can be mission drift and there can be new uh, emphases that are added to something. Mm-hmm. So I think I just need to rearticulate at least my sense of what I think I'm doing uh, as an ordinary, mm-hmm. and my sense of you know the important things of ministry in 2023 and just rearticulate some of our values around Jesus and the gospel of the kingdom and missional yeah. ecclesiology, missional leadership, just the kind of things that I care about. I don't have anything so much new to say is that the context is so different. Yeah. The context is even different. I think Ben, you and Matt and, you know, Sean and uh, just Ryan Betcher and those guys, you were all around it. I think at the beginning of tell us mm-hmm. when we yeah, were talking sure. about kingdom and all that. Oh yeah. So it's not like I have anything new to teach about the kingdom, like I discovered something mm-hmm. new about the kingdom. Right. But it's shocking to say that, let's say we started that in 2016, mm-hmm. seven years ago, just I don't know if that's right. But just think how much Seems different right. the world is seven years yeah. down the track. Yeah, it's, And it's so remarkable. what does it mean to talk about the kingdom today? What does it mean to, yeah. what does it mean to think about um, Christian spirituality when um, I'm just shocked uh, that like talk of civil war is like, what? It's like becoming normal. <laughs> and yeah. what does that even mean in 2023, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. where people aren't carrying around muskets, you know, you got, and, and what does it even mean to have a house full of AR-15s when the government's got drones? Yeah, I mean, how does this even work? Yeah. And so I, I don't know why I'm laughing. I guess it's either laugh or cry. It's probably nervous laughter. <laughs> it's not like I think civil war is going to break out tomorrow. I just mean to say who was talking about that seven years ago. Right, right. And who it's, was talking even in the ways we talk today about issues with gender of gender. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, being present to, and I love that quote. I'm so glad you read it. And participating in what God is already doing in the world, you know, now we sound like Fitch, right? Our, our old friend, David Fitch, but I yeah. mean, he's onto something there. And of yeah, course he didn't so. invent it, but he's articulated it well for our generation. Yeah. But just that notion of living in that missional triangle between myself, my calling, my giftedness, my temperament, the world and 
God, especially God, the Holy Spirit, and listening to God for how to participate mm-hmm. uh, with Jesus, yeah. who, I forget again, who, who is, you know, bringing the reign of God to the real things of real life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just so, I could talk about that for days and days and days. That just so inflames my imagination mm-hmm. for yeah. Christian spirituality and Christian leadership. Well, great. Look forward to hearing all that uh, as, as you uh, get back acclimated um, to, yeah, being, being our bishop. And, Thanks uh, for reintroducing me to my people. Yep. Yeah. Just in case anybody forgot. Yeah. I have a bishop. His name's Todd Hunter. He's, this is yeah. what his voice sounds like. <laughs> well, um, this, this year, uh, Bishop, we're asking everybody um, to answer two questions. Everybody who comes on the podcast. So okay. You get to answer a couple questions. Normally I ask, what's a book, movie, or TV show you appreciated recently? Since you read a whole bunch of fiction, I'm wondering if I can ask you what, um, if you want to just name a, a particular novel that you found, uh, per- yeah, just particularly, you, you appreciated it. Yeah, I think the one I liked the most just for fun was uh, called The Brothers K. Uh, It's about a Southern family, and it's drenched in baseball. Oh, okay. Oh, and another one I read that wasn't, I just loved it, but it wasn't fiction. It was, um, I think it's called The Invention of Loud, and it's the story of Leo Fender and Fender guitars and Les Paul and Gibson guitars. And so it's sort of a bit of a... History of rock and roll, history of but uh, my best friend growing up, Leo Fender was his uncle. Oh, really? And so Fender sort of lives in my imagination as this, as the book depicts him, as this really quirky guy who just loved radios and loved yeah. tinkering with electronics right. and loved That's music and wanted to invent a guitar that people could play really loud. <laughs> That's so <laughs> you funny. know because That's so hollow great. body guitars, well, you know, you're a musician, they would uh-huh. feed back. Right. Yeah, so yeah, if they yeah, tried to turn them up loud, they'd feed back. Or even yeah. in a jazz quartet, if you tried to mic the upright bass, they couldn't do it. Yeah. So yeah, Fender inventing it. the P bass, the precision bass, literally changed music of every kind because yeah. now you could play music loud and hear the bass player. So it was just, you know, at my age, it was just sort of fun to read about Clapton loving his Les Paul and mm-hmm. the Beach Boys loving their Fender gear because, you know, they're Californians. So that was yeah. a fun book too. That's great. Um, second question is how how can we pray for you? Um, I I would still love prayer for so like I got the big discernment so to speak, and again I don't I don't mean to scare anybody, but I got the big discernment of my future as, as much as I can see it today is in continuity with my past. Mm-hmm. So that was a big discernment. I think now it's the interim and small bits of discernment, like. Mm-hmm. Okay, what does it mean to work on C4SO, to develop, yeah. mature C4SO? Um, I would say that for those okay. sort of intermediate and smaller bits of discernment. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Bishop. Yeah, thanks thank for you. Glad little... to be back in the audience again. Yeah, what you did over your summer vacation. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wondered if uh, I wondered if you'd pray a blessing over uh, our listeners and over our diocese yes. as we go. Lord Jesus, you envisioned something when you thought about the sending of the Spirit to your people. So all that you envisioned by your people being inspired and animated and energized and given gifts and fruit by the Spirit, we welcome that today. We welcome your Spirit to animate our lives, 
to lead and direct our ministries, to give them the power and authority they need to be agents of goodness on the earth, agents of deliverance and release and hope and healing. We want to be your people and we ask for your blessing. We ask for your anointing to be it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, amen. Good to be with you, Todd. We'll uh, talk again soon, okay? Thank you, Ben. Good to see you too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.